we live in a city. Boy, this city's had its fair share of scandals, hadn't it? I mean, we've had Nixon's Watergate. We've had Clinton's Monica Gate. We've had all kinds of stuff in between. But I got to tell you, those scandals, they pale in comparison to the scandal we're going to look at today. They pale in comparison to what we're going to look at today. We, today, we are going to look at a story of a leader who committed adultery, conspiracy, had a scandalous pregnancy, numerous failed cover-ups, and eventually murdered people in order to make sure that he didn't get caught. Now, what is the most scandalous about this of all is that this is a story we find in the Bible. And it is from one of our favorite Bible heroes, King David, the David who slayed Goliath, the David who was a man after God's own heart, who wrote the majority of the Psalms, who delighted in following God's word. And so this happened to arguably one of the greatest figures in the Bible. We're going to look at the story of his scandal today, and we're not going to look at this scandal just for the sake of looking at scandals, but we're going to look at it to see how we can avoid a scandal ourselves by learning from David. So we're in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, if you have your Bible or your version app, or maybe you just want to follow along in your bulletin on the screen. But it goes like this in verse 1 of chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, King David sent Joab out, that was one of his leaders, sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. So David doesn't go, he, he delegates to one of his guys. And it says that they destroyed the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So, Instead of doing what he was supposed to be doing, which was engaging in battle, which was leading his nation and his troops into battle, instead of engaging in what he was supposed to be doing, David disengaged. And look at what it leads to. We pick it up in verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed. Okay, so he's back in Jerusalem. All the guys are out doing what they're supposed to be doing, but not him. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Sorry about that. So this, this would be a scandal today, would it not? A world leader having, a, having an affair, getting somebody pregnant. I mean, that, that would be totally scandalous today. It was even more scandalous back then, and here's why. You see, David was Jewish. And if you were Jewish, what that meant was, if you were caught in adultery, you know what the punishment could be? Death. Your life, over. You're gone. So this little rooftop walk that he took when he couldn't sleep, man, that ended in a total scandal. 
You know, this reminds me, you ever see those direct TV commercials where they want you to switch to cable because your cable frustrates you and it's like one thing leads to another and then you end up like this terrible thing. You know what I'm talking about? We got a clip if you don't. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to direct TV. What happens to David right here, it plays out exactly like that direct TV commercial. You see, when you are the king and you don't engage in what kings are supposed to be doing, your life lacks significance. When your life lacks significance, you get bored. When you get bored, you can't sleep. When you can't sleep, you go out on your rooftop. When you go out on your rooftop, you see a beautiful woman bathing. When you see a beautiful woman bathing, you want to find out who she is and go get her. When you want to find out who she is and you go get her, you have someone send her to you. When you have someone send her to you, you sleep with her. When you sleep with her, she gets pregnant. When she gets pregnant, now you, my friend, are worthy of the death penalty. So don't get the death penalty. Switch to direct. No, it's not it. Okay. Do what you were supposed to be doing in the first place and engage in the thing that you were supposed to be doing. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, we kind of have fun with that, but the point here is so critically important. Do not miss this, okay? David disengaged, and it led to his downfall. He disengaged from what he was supposed to be doing, and that is what led to his downfall. So the lesson for us today in 2014 is we must engage in the things that really matter in this life. The things that bring us purpose and meaning and significance. Okay. Because if we're not engaging in those things, here's the thing. We are going to seek out significance and excitement and enjoyment and pleasure in any way that we can. So if we don't get it in the things that really matter, we're going we're gonna to find it in unhealthy ways. So we have to engage in the things that really matter. So let me just ask you a couple of really basic questions. The first one is this. Do you find meaning in your work? Now, this isn't just vocation, but this is also like any volunteer work or involvement that you have in the community. When, when you're working on things, okay, do you find meaning in your work? Because if you don't find meaning in your work, that's a problem. It is. You may not realize it's a problem, but just going through the motions without really any significance, you will seek out significance in other ways. So if you're here, and some of you are here right now, and you're like, yep, my work is just so boring. I don't see any purpose or significance in it. Okay, if that is you today, I feel like I got to tell you, really, you, you've got to make a move. And, and there's really two, two ways I see that you can go with this. You can either decide, you know what? My job sucks and I need to get a new one because there's just no purpose. There's no point. It doesn't do it for me. I don't find any fulfillment from it. And maybe that's what you need to think and pray about today. Or maybe you've just lost sight of why you do what you do. Maybe 
that initial, oh, this is going to be great. And for these reasons, and I see that the organization is doing this and I kind of see how I fit into that. And I help to accomplish this thing. And I see how the world is, is a better place because of what I'm doing. Maybe you've just kind of lost sight of that and a bunch of other stuff. And you need to press back in to why what you do matters. But the bottom line is you need to find meaning in something that you're putting a huge chunk of your life into. Because if you don't, you're going to end up on a rooftop somewhere and it's not going to end well. Now, another question. Do you find meaning in your relationships? I mean, there are some of you here, you have 950 Facebook friends and that's really cool. But there's no one that you can have a substantive conversation with. There's people, and they don't really know what's really going on beneath the surface, if we're going to be honest. That's a problem. So we're not going to get into the, how to troubleshoot that, but I just want to put that into your brain, that if you don't have any meaningful relationships, you need to find a way to make some meaningful relationships. We have to engage in the things that really matter and find meaning there, or we are in danger of finding meaning and excitement and enjoyment in other very unhealthy things. All right, there's another lesson here, and it's actually in those verses we just looked at. So I'm going to look at verses two through five again, and here's what I want you to do. As we're looking at these verses, I want you to pay attention to all the people who knew what was going on with David, okay? They knew what was going on. So check this out. From the roof, David saw a woman bathing, The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her, okay? That's the first person. He sent out a scout. Who is this person? She's awesome. Let me me find out about her. One person knows. One person's like, I don't know if this is a good idea, okay? One person. The man said, she's Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So then David sent out messengers, plurals, that's at least two. So at least two, so now we're up to three the messengers who were sent to get her. And then, of course, Bathsheba came to him. So now Bathsheba's in the mix. She's a fourth person who definitely knows what is going on. Okay, and then it says that he slept with her and she conceived and she got pregnant. Now, once she's pregnant, as we've said, David's got a major problem on his hand. He needs to cover this up. So he thinks, oh, this is great. I'm going to get her husband, call him out from the war and have him sleep with her. And then I'm good. All right. So he calls Uriah out from the battle. Uriah, come here. Give me the update. Okay. Now go spend the night with your wife and have a good time. Well, Uriah is so engaged in the thing that really matters. He's so focused on it that he can't be distracted by anything else. And so he refuses to sleep with his wife. How could I do that when when all my guys are out there fighting? So he doesn't do it. So night one comes and it doesn't work. So then the second night, Dave's like, I'm going to get this boy good and drunk. Okay. So he gets him all liquored up. And then he sends him home and Uriah still doesn't sleep with his wife. And so David's like, well, shoot, man, I got to go to plan C. And plan C is, it's pretty awful. We see it in verse 15 or 14 and 15. So Uriah has been with David for two days. And it says that in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, who was leading the troops. And he sent it with Uriah. So he's like, Uriah, okay, time for you to go back to battle. Here's a letter. He seals it so Uriah can't see what's in it. And in the letter, David wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. And that's exactly what happens. We don't know how many other innocent men lost their lives because of this scandal. But here's the point, okay? 
Joab gets this letter. So now who else is in on it? Joab knows that something's going down. So we've got five people. Now that's a conservative estimate. That doesn't count any guards that were up on the rooftop, any other, you know, royal personnel who would have seen what was happening. Okay, at a minimum, we have five people who knew that David was heading down a road that he shouldn't be going down. He was starting to go off track and they didn't say anything. You know why? because they didn't have the authority to say anything. He was the king. They didn't have permission to say anything to him. You see, David was in a position where he was untouchable. He had no checks and balances on his life. So as he was starting to drift off the road, there was nobody who could come along and say boo to him about that. Um, so this past week, I was uh, down in Florida with my family. I took my wife and my three kids, and um, we had our own little road trip. And we, we, my mom lives down south of Tampa. It's about a 16-hour drive. And so we, we went for it. We spent the week down in Florida. And um, I'm one of these guys that, like, if I'm going to do it, let's just, let's just do it. So we got up at 4 a.m., and I was like, we're just going to knock this out all in one shot, okay? So we get up at 4, you know, and we just, we grabbed the kids. They didn't even know what was happening to them, you know, they were asleep. We just put some, like, some masks over their heads and duct tape, and we just threw them in the car. I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, so we just, we just hit the road, man, and we went. And we just stopped for, you know, just drive through and gas and, and bathrooms. Because I'm big into bathrooms these days, if you know what I'm talking about. And so we just went. And it was cool. I'm kind of an early riser anyway. And so we're going, man. We're having a good time. Well, I drove the whole way. Because I think it's a lot easier just to drive than have to be like, you know, servant to the three kids. And my wife, you know, she does that whole deal. Keeps them happy. So, because my kids are all under 10 years old. So it's quite a, quite a time. Quite a time. It's not a vacation. It's a family trip just so you make the distinction there, right? All right, so we're going, and everything is cool until kind of that, you know, mid-afternoon, you had some food, and and now the vibrations of the car is starting to kind of really mellow me out, and I, I did not fall asleep. Let's just set the record straight. I did not fall asleep, but I just started to kind of have a lapse in focus and concentration, just got a little bit, you know, a little bit woozy, and I started to drift off the road, just, just, just a little, but enough to hit that little rumble strip on the side. You, you know what I'm saying? You know those rumble strips, right? And so, man, I, I kind of just veer off a little bit, just, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden, and I'm like, oh, and I, and I, I, you know, bring the car back over into the lane. Now, as soon as, as soon as I did that, everyone in the car is like, oh, 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 dad, what's going on? Oh, you know, everybody's freaking out. And, and then my wife, she says to me, she says, are you all right? Now, pause. Ladies, when this happens, no matter what you say at that moment, you're in a lose-lose situation, okay? Because when she says, are you all right? She genuinely was just asking me, are you all right? Yeah, everything okay? But as a guy, you know, my ego gets in the way. And what I hear her say is, when she says, are you all right? I hear her saying, so were you just asleep right there and we just didn't know about it and we almost died? <laughs> or are you that bad of a driver that you can't just stay on the road? Like, are you all right? 
That's how, that's how I hear it, okay? There's nothing you can say. It's, that conversation, every time after the rumble strip, is always going to end badly, 100% of the time. It's just something you just have to get over, all right? But here was the cool thing, okay? So after we hit the rumble strip, after she says, okay, which of course I'm like, I'm fine. I'm totally fine, you know? I don't know what happened, but I'm fine. I wasn't getting drowsy at all. Well, then the most amazing thing happens. All of a sudden, my wife starts paying all this attention to me. It's so cool. She's like, so, honey, how, tell me. And we, she starts asking me questions, and we're talking. And then the next thing, she's like, she's like starting to kind of rub my head a little bit, you know, which I always like. She's kind of, you know, rubbing my arm. She's trying to keep me awake, right? But she's just like, oh, you know. And, and, then, and then she's like, can I get you anything more to drink? You know, we've got some different snacks that were only available to the kids before. Now I, now I get access. <laughs> I mean, this is beautiful. I, I actually think you should hit the rumble strip like once every two hours. It's better than like a call bell. It's the ultimate service experience. It's, it's fantastic, okay? But here's the deal. Here's why I really love the rumble strip. In, a, in addition to the incredible service that you get when you hit the rumble strip, okay? You gotta try it sometime. It's awesome. But what I love about the rumble strips is they warn me when I am going off the road, isn't it great? Don't you actually love the rumble strip? Don't you love to get that little alert? Hey, man, get back on the road. Get back on the road. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, here's the deal. David didn't have any rumble strips. He had nothing. His road, no rumble strips whatsoever. So as he veered off, no one had authority or permission to go, going off the road, David. None of that. None of that. He just went right off the road. And man, it was a colossal, colossal scandal. In fact, if you think this is bad, just wait. Just continue on in the series because, oh my goodness, it's going to blow your mind what happens next. You have to come back next week to hear more about that. All right? But here's the deal. David didn't have any rumble strips. Can you imagine if he would have had some people in his life who could have been rumble strips for him? Who could have, hey man, getting off the road. What are you doing? You know she's married, man. Come on. He didn't have that. Now, if you haven't figured out this application point, is coming right to you, okay? If you haven't picked up on it, here's my question. Does your road have rumble strips on it? Does your road have rumble strips on it? And what I mean by that is as you start to veer off, as you start to drift off the road a little bit, you start to lose focus. You start to kind of get involved in something that's a real gray area, you know, and it's just probably not going to be a good thing, but you're just having fun doing it. Is there anyone in your life who can be a rumble strip for you? Is there anyone who has permission to speak freely, who you've given authority to? Because let me tell you something. If you haven't given someone permission they don't have permission. They're not going to say it. You might think, oh man, you don't know. I got some friends and man, they keep it real and blah, blah, blah. They're not telling you everything. Unless you've asked them to, they're not. We live in a world that goes by this value, live and let live, right? Is there anyone who would disagree with me? We live in a live and let live world. And there's certain things that you say and there's certain things that you don't say unless you're given permission to say them. And so what I want to say to you what I want to encourage you to do, and to think about this, do you have people in your life who really honestly have permission to speak freely? And unless you have given them permission, they're not speaking freely. I promise you that. 
Have you had a conversation with someone? You said, look, I, I, I would really like your, I respect you. I respect who you are. I trust you. If you see an area of my life where you just feel like, man, you know, I'm getting a little bit off course or losing focus or getting off mission or whatever, would you call me out? And let me tell you something. That conversation has to happen more than once, too. Because, you know, you can have that conversation with somebody once, like, oh, man, he heard some crazy sermon on Sunday, you know, and that's, that's why, you know, he came to me saying this whole thing. But what happens if two, three months go by, and then that person does see something, and they want to say something to you, just gently and encouraging? They're like, man, he said that, but that was like three months ago. I don't know if he was really serious, you know. This is something that you have to really clearly let people know. I want you to speak freely into my life. I want some rumble strips in place. We all have blind spots, don't we? Every single one of us has blind spots. All we're asking is for someone who sees a blind spot to call it out. And when they do, if you are fortunate enough to ever take this step, when they do call you out, your reaction will determine whether they remain a rumble strip for you or not. Because if they say something, you're like, what the heck are you talking? I can't even believe it. Well, your rumble show's gone. It's gone. That, that road is totally free and clear now. So how you respond to constructive criticism is the other piece of this. But do you have rumble strips on your road? That is the question. Hebrews 10.24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I love that word spur and the image it conjures up in my mind, okay? Yeah, we're all about live and let live and love and all that stuff, but there are times we need to spur and be spurred. That's what I'm talking about. Have you, have you given permission to someone to spur you on? Now, there's all sorts of ways this might look like in your life, and maybe you're kind of thinking, well, what, how would I even, you know, how would that conversation go? Or, I, I don't know that I have anyone that, that they would just think I'm crazy or whatever. We have a great resource here at Grace, okay? You don't have to utilize this resource, but, but we have something at Grace called community groups. And I, I got to tell you, this is more than just a place where you come together to, to discuss the sermon and, and talk about the Bible. These are actually groups where we're talking about stuff that matters. And these are incredible places to find some rumble strips. And I'm not saying that your entire group is just going to be privy to all, you know, whatever it is that you're going through. But I cannot tell you how many different men's groups that I've been a part of where we, we've just been able to help each other out. When we see something starting to take place, I remember uh, several different occasions where there'd be a guy and he's like, hey, you know, this is the craziest thing. This, this ex-girlfriend of mine, like from way back, like she just kind of made contact with me through Facebook and we're kind of laughing about it, you know, and this and that. And then, but, but then there's this, we ask a few more questions and it's like, yeah, there's, but there's this, something's going on because they're starting to just kind of have this little bit of this very innocent dialogue, you know, but then it just kind of keeps going a little bit. Hello. Dude, you know, and I've been a part of some awesome, awesome conversations where guys have said, you know what, you're right. You know what, you're right. I'm on the rumble strip. And before anything's happened, when it was still kind of at a, just a point where everything was still cool, they've been able to make sure that they are firmly in the middle of the road. It's awesome. So uh, those are something we have here at Grace. And if you're more interested in that, you know, please let us know. We will get you connected in a community group. All right, I want to talk about one more thing before we dismiss to the food trucks this morning. So um, one, one other kind of rumble strip area, and, and I, I have to talk about this because um, it's just 
God's put this on me all week. So David disengaged from what he was supposed to be doing, and he found himself up on a rooftop with tons of temptation. Now, when we disengage, when we get bored, we have our own rooftop, don't we? I mean, most of us don't have like a rooftop palace. I, don't, I wouldn't think most of you have that in this room. But we have our own modern day version of the rooftop where we go, we can't sleep at night. When we're looking for a little excitement, we're wondering kind of what's going on. You know what our rooftop is? What is it? It's the internet, baby. Right? That's where we go. And I'll tell you what, our rooftop today is far more slippery than David's rooftop was. Because David... He saw one woman taking a bath. We have access to all kinds of stuff. It's just a click away. The reality is for us, this age that we live in, pornography is absolutely rampant in our society today. It comes at us even when we don't want it, even when we're not looking for it. I remember first moving to DC about 13, 14 years ago. And I lived up in Northwest DC. My brother was in town and my brother and I loved to play tennis together. And so we, I, I was very new to the area. I just, just moved there. And there was a tennis court like right next to um, my apartment. And so my brother and I want to play tennis. And so we, we got our tennis rackets and we realized we didn't have any tennis balls. We had nothing. And I'm in a relatively new city. And I don't remember why, but we were on a very tight time frame. Like we only had maybe like an hour, an hour, hour and a half or something before we would have to stop. So I was like, okay, come on, we are in a hurry. Let's find some tennis balls quickly so we can get this thing done. And I thought that I had remembered that there was a sporting goods store not too far from, you know, where we were. And so I said, okay, cool. So I fired up my computer and I, because I was in such a hurry, I didn't even try and Google or anything. I just went right into the, uh, the URL thing, right? And I just typed in www.dicks.com. <laughs> I knew there was a Dick Sporting Goods somewhere around. And so <laughs> www.dicks.com, enter. In case you're wondering what the website is for Dick Sporting Goods. It's dicksportinggoods.com, okay? All of a sudden, I'm kid- not kidding you, pow, 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 on my computer, pow, 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 like, like 15 windows open up, man. And I'm telling you, this is part of my therapy right now, okay? I have just to tell you, I am still dealing with this thing. That was like 14 years ago. It comes at us even when we're not looking for it. That is how rampant pornography is in our society today. Do you know that one in eight internet searches is a search for porn? One out of eight. That is absolutely insane. And this is no longer an issue that's just affecting us guys in the room. This is affecting more and more women. The numbers are staggering how many of us are affected by pornography. Now, I want to talk about this just for a minute. And here's what I want to say. If you're here and maybe, you know, someone dragged you to church, promised you free food, and you're like, man, what the heck have I gotten myself into now? All right, here's the deal. What I want to say about pornography, I'm not going to make any sort of case for, because of what the Bible says, okay? So just put your, let your guard down on that one for a minute, okay? The Bible clearly says that it's not right, but that's not, that's not the angle that I want to talk about today. It's not because the Bible says so, because God says so, you shouldn't do it, okay? But for me, 
what I want to talk to you about is the why, which helped me to see why the Bible is so brilliant. Because when you get to the why of why it, it, how it impacts and why we shouldn't do it, it's, it's amazing. I'm also not going to try and kind of guilt you into it by, by talking about, um, you know, how pornography and our demand for pornography feeds a supply of like sex trafficking and slavery and all sorts of dark stuff in this industry that, that is just so messed up, okay? Not even going to go at that angle. The angle that I want to talk to you about pornography is basically, here's the reason why I think this should pique your interest. Because of what pornography does to us. It's because of what it does to us. I don't know how many of you enjoy TED Talks. Uh, I really like TED Talks, and more and more people are watching them. They're not Christian talks. They're just, they're just great talks from brilliant people um, in their different fields. And so um, there's a TED Talk given by a guy named Gary Wilson. And if you just Google... Uh, TED Talk, Gary Wilson, Great Porn Experiment, or you can even just basically Google TED Talk porn, um, you will find a 15-minute TED Talk that is absolutely fascinating. I've given you um, just a little search reminder at the bottom of your bulletin because I think every single person in this room, every single person needs to watch that TED Talk. Carve out some time today to watch that talk. It is absolutely fascinating fascinating. It doesn't go at it from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, from a God perspective, from a moral perspective. None of those. It's purely what does internet porn do to your brain? And it is absolutely staggering. I just give you a couple of highlights, okay? One of the things that Gary Wilson talks about is is he links, and I've never made this connection, he links all the ED that is just going rampant in this world today to the rise of internet porn, okay? You you ever get frustrated when watching a sporting event and like every other commercial is about ED, okay? So he, he talks about that correlation between those two. He talks about how actually your brain gets rewired and kind of how that happens um, through looking at all this internet porn. It's absolutely fascinating. But to me, I think what is the most, um, what is the most telling thing is he, he talks about more and more people, thousands of people now who are not, again, not necessarily for religious reasons, but they're just realizing how destructive porn is becoming to them. And so they're, they're abstaining from porn. And after several months, they now can become a control group compared to the others that are still using porn. And studies are being done. And it is amazing that story after story after story after story of people who are getting free from porn and they're finding that their anxiety is lessening, their depression is so much better, that a lot of the medications that they're having to take for, for different things that they're going through in their life, all of a sudden they, they no longer need that because it's actually been porn that has been driving a lot of this and affecting the way that our brains work, okay? Let alone what porn does to our sexual performance and sexual satisfaction. It is just an absolutely amazing, amazing talk. And I, I just want to encourage you, you have to carve out time to watch this talk. You have to, okay? And then after you've seen this talk, I want you to figure out how can you put down some rumble strips on your road around this issue? How can you do that? Maybe you're here and you're not struggling, okay? You'd pretty much be in the minority, but, but if you're here and you're not struggling, that's fantastic. But how can you put down rumble strips for the sake of your family, for the sake of people who will come into your home? How can you do that? 
And um, there's a lot of great internet uh, filter sites and a lot of free stuff out there. There's one site that's amazing if you really feel like you're struggling and, and you want to get help, okay? Let me give you one. You don't even have to write it down. No one's got to even see, but you'll, you won't forget this website, triplexchurch.com. It's not a porn site, I promise. That would be evil and twisted, okay, if I did that. <laughs> that would be so wrong. Okay, triplexchurch.com. Their whole purpose is to help people get free from pornography. So um, I know we're ending kind of heavy, but I, I want to ask you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray to end this service. Um, Lord God, I just want to thank you uh, so much for um, this Bible uh, account that we see of David's life. Uh, God, we're sorry that he had to go through this, but uh, we're thankful for the lessons that we can learn. Help us to engage in the stuff that really matters. Help us to find meaning in our work and in our relationships so we don't have to find it other places. God, um, help us to put down rumble strips so that when we start to drift off the road, there are people or there are mechanisms in place to help us stay on course. Uh, just in an attitude of prayer with your heads bowed right now and, and your eyes still closed, um, I, I just want to acknowledge the fact that there are many of us in this room right now and, and we know that we're struggling. You know, you're here and, and you know kind of as everything quiets down and you're sitting in church and you, you think about um, what we've been talking about today, you realize, man, yeah, there are some areas of my life and, and I know that they're not good for me, that they're not healthy. They're real struggles that I have. They have power over me. I wish I could break free from them. And when you sit and you think about it for a minute, it's really uncomfortable right now because you're a source of shame and you, and you, you, you hate the fact that you're doing it. And what I want to say to you right now, if you're in that place, just with your eyes closed and everyone with your heads bowed, there is incredibly good news if this is you this morning. Because I don't know if you know this, but the power of God is activated when we admit our need. That is how we initially come to God and that's how we return to God every single time. It's by admitting that we need his help. And so I just wanna say that right now, if you're in the midst of a struggle, you feel yourself drifting, there is a God who loves you no matter what you have done in your life. Jesus came and he said, look, if you confess your sins and you put your trust and your faith in me, that you'll be made righteous in the eyes of God no matter what you've done. My friends, that's incredible news for each of us. And not only does Jesus offer his forgiveness and his love and his righteousness to us, but it's even better than that. When we put our faith in him, he offers us his spirit to give us power and self-control and the ability to push through things and to set up those rumble strips so we don't veer off the road and to find meaning in our work and our relationships again. And so there are some of you right now with your, your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you know that right now, this is the reason that you're in church. This is why God brought you here today. Is for this moment where you just needed to admit your need right now between you and God. Just say, God, I need you. I need you. You know where I struggle. You know where I need my rumble strips. God, help me. And so if that's you today, I just want to lead you in a little prayer. 
But before I do, I, I just, I, if you are here and you are needing that prayer, you need God's help, you need God's power, you need God's forgiveness in your life, you are ready to break free from whatever it is. It doesn't have to be anything major. It could be a minor thing. But I just want you, just for a quick second, just to open your eyes. Just meet me eye to eye right now. I want to pray for you. Okay, just meet me eye to eye right now. Thank you for those of you who are willing just to be real and honest and to admit a need. That's where the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ starts. Thank you guys for opening your eyes. Thank you for being courageous enough to admit that you have a need. Thank you. Eyes all over the room. I appreciate it. And thank you for the rest of you who keep your eyes closed out of respect. Thank you so much for opening your eyes and just admitting that need that you have. Okay, let's pray together. Let's pray together. Everybody. Lord God, we thank you that we don't have to come here all put together, looking like we got everything figured out, but that's in our greatest need where we experience your greatest power. We thank you for the forgiveness that none of us deserve, but all of us need. Lord, even King David, the great hero, he wasn't immune. He was susceptible and so are all of us. God, we thank you that no matter what we've done, that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us so that we could be forgiven and made right with God. And there are many in this room right now we're putting our faith in Christ. We're saying thank you for what you've done. Deliver us from whatever we struggle with. Help us to stay on the road by your spirit, with your power. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. And all God's people in victory said, Amen. Amen. That is awesome. If you took that step today, I cannot encourage you enough. And I cannot think of a better way to celebrate than to go out and have some food out there at one of those food trucks. Now, before we dismiss, I just want to say, if you are here and you are new, you brought a friend, okay, or you just knew and you came on your own, you get to eat for free, okay? The new person and the friend who brought you. And right over here at this Grayson 5 area, you just head up the steps and sit in one of those seats by that banner. We're gonna give you some free tickets to eat at the food trucks. The rest of you guys, you're dismissed. It's a beautiful day. Go out and enjoy it. I'll see you outside. Take care and have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.